Hello, Knox Congregation. This is the sermon for Sunday, May 24th. It is Memorial Day weekend. If you or someone in your family has served in the military, we remind you of our gratitude for your commitment and your sacrifice and wish for you to know that we are praying for you today. I have not preached in the last couple of Sundays, and so today seems like a good uh, chance to take a moment and say thank you. Uh, thank you, Knox Congregation, for your continued enthusiasm and support for the worship that we have been offering online during this pandemic. Thanks for your openness to the creative things that we are trying. Thank you to our youth and families and musicians who have contributed so much to it from their homes. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth, your love, and your joy. Surround us with your peace and your presence this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Whenever something dramatic and difficult happens in the world, something that causes real disruption and upheaval, religion can be a source of great help and comfort. The chance to reach out to God in prayer, the gift of a faith community, the very idea of a higher power and a reality greater than our own, these things are important ways to gain a sense of calm and perspective in the midst of hard times. In the same hard times, there is also a chance for religion to be misleading and harmful. Every time there is a real tragedy, a natural disaster, a mass shooting, in our current case, a pandemic, you can be sure that there will be people ready to use religion as a source of division, a chance to place blame, or even as a contributor to the suffering. Sometimes the Bible itself says things that are unhelpful in one time or place the way that they were helpful in another. I found that happening this week in a couple of readings that were appointed by the lectionary. Now, the lectionary is a resource that I use quite often. It's a schedule of texts on a three-year rotation that are intended for Sunday worship. The lectionary was established before anybody knew about COVID-19, and for this Sunday, there are two readings that came up that, to me, didn't seem like a very good fit for the times. Instead of ignoring those texts and choosing something else, as I might have done, I thought it might be a good time to engage this problem, to talk about when the words of the Bible don't seem to match the situation or when they do seem to match the situation, but don't seem to be helpful. This also seems like a good time to talk about our responsibility as readers to be comp compassionate and careful and wise as we read and interpret and speak. So I pray that my words will do that today. The first reading I want to tell you about is Psalm number 68. Psalm 68 came up in the lectionary for this week. It is a psalm that says wonderful things about the righteous, people who love and trust God. The psalm claims that 
things will go well for the righteous, but that the wicked will come to ruin. If you read the whole psalm and pay attention to its context, the context is clear. The author is remembering the freeing of the Hebrew slaves from bondage in Egypt. This was the most one of the most important moments in the history of Israel. In light of that memory, the psalmist is celebrating the power and deliverance of God. It is a message of praise and thanksgiving because justice has been done for a people who have suffered. And in that context, the language of the psalm makes sense. In the context of a pandemic or any great human tragedy where there is no fault, the same message just doesn't ring true. It is tempting to ask if the righteous people are the ones being spared from COVID-19 and the wicked are the ones being killed by it, and well, of course not. Our instincts tell us that. But absent any context, that is what the words of the psalm may seem to say. So it's very important for religious people to pay attention to context when we read the Bible. This text is appropriate for remembering God's deliverance of the Hebrew slaves, and also for the deliverance of any oppressed people. But I would never choose to read it in a hospital filled with COVID patients, or at a funeral for someone who had died of the virus. When we claim the Bible as our sacred text, we bear responsibility for thinking about these distinctions. Now, it may be that this distinction seems obvious to you, and you wonder why I'm even bothering to mention it. In that case, let me share a more common example of where words like Psalm 68 are sometimes read without the right kind of critical eye. Perhaps in your life, you've made a mistake or two along the way. Perhaps you have at times found yourself wondering if your mistakes are going to come back to get you, maybe even to ruin you. Every one of us has made mistakes. And it is easy to wonder if your mistakes will come back to you, for this world in which we live can be unforgiving. We see that all the time. Now, sometimes there is a need for justice and reconciliation. Sometimes things need to be made right. The psalm says that the righteous proper prosper and that the wicked are brought to ruin, and that would seem to reinforce the point. Here's the thing. We all know from practical experience that in real life, the lines drawn between good and evil are never so neatly drawn as this. Every one of us is some mixed bag of good and bad choices and life experiences that led us there. So, as for God, if you wonder if God might be out to get you because of something that happened in the past, you may misunderstand what the word grace means, a word that we use a lot in church. Our God is not out to get people in some kind of Western movie retribution. God loves us like a parent loves children. God leads us to justice and reconciliation where it is needed, but God also knows that we are human and flawed and wishes to release us from mistakes of the past that we cannot change. And for all of those reasons, context matters.
There's another lectionary reading for this week that comes up that presents some of the same challenges as Psalm 68. This one is from a short letter toward the end of the New Testament called 1 Peter. The opening lines of that reading say this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. It seems to me that it would be easy to read those words in these days and wonder if God has sent the ordeal of COVID-19 as a fiery ordeal to test us, to bring us closer to Jesus. People will make that suggestion. And again, context is important. There are plenty of New Testament texts that talk as this one does about the glory that comes with suffering. The important distinction is that the suffering being talked about in 1 Peter is suffering in the name of Christ, suffering because of your faith. The writers of these texts lived in a place and time where Christians were routinely persecuted for their faith. There are still places in our world where that happens to Christians, but Cincinnati is not one of them. And as for COVID-19, it is not exclusively targeting followers of Jesus. So to suggest that COVID-19 is a fiery ordeal meant to test us, that's just a bad interpretation. It does deserve to be said, apart from the pandemic, that people who were following Jesus in the ancient world, or people who are doing so today, they should expect some things about this passage to be true. It's hard to live as Jesus did, to stand up for people in the world who are left out, to put yourself at odds with powerful people on their behalf. One has to assume that following Jesus is going to result in hardship. And so this passage offers to those people some encouragement. It's an important message, but the suffering that is mentioned in it is not about the pandemic. Finally, I will add this. There is at least one nuance to this argument about being tested by the pandemic, one that I think deserves some comment. It may be true that in these difficult day days, you find that you are feeling closer to God, or that you are feeling more aware of the things that really matter, or newly committed to the foundational things about our faith. I don't doubt that that's happening with some of you. I don't doubt that it will happen in the days ahead to others of you. Those kinds of thoughts are to be expected when our usual ways of living are disrupted like they are in these days. And that's why I wish to talk a bit more about one other thing I read last week, and it's related to something I've been hearing religious people say in reference to the pandemic. The reading was a short essay. And it's called Embracing Uncertainty. It's by an author named Heather Lanier, and it appeared in The Atlantic. At first, the article wasn't about COVID, it was about her daughter. Lanier's daughter was born with Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome, a rare condition caused by a deletion in her fourth chromosome, a non-hereditary could-happen-to-anybody hiccup at the cellular level. This syndrome meant it was going to be a mystery when and if all kinds of developmental things might happen 
for her daughter. The ability to feed herself, or to walk, or even routine kidney and lung functions. Lanier writes this, In raising my daughter, I have learned to embrace uncertainty. And now I notice it in everything. You probably see where the comparison is going here. Reflecting later on the pandemic, Lanier, the author, goes on to write that back in January, we all thought we knew what, what to expect from 2020, especially in terms of routine things like paychecks and graduations and haircuts. All of that has changed. We need to work on embracing uncertainty. The essay reminded me, as I said, of something that I have heard people saying about God in these days, something that I think is meant to be helpful, but not always is it helpful. The statement is, God is in control. God is in control. Do I believe that? Well, yes, I do. I also believe that there are good and not so good times for us to say it. If, for instance, you are sheltering in place in ways that may be inconvenient but are bearable, if, for instance, you are experiencing this time of pandemic in a way that may be difficult for you, but you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, then yes, God is in control seems like a good message. Stay the course. Be safe, don't move too fast to return to normal for people are still suffering out there, but God is in control. On the other hand, if you have lost someone you dearly love to COVID-19, if you are a healthcare worker in a hard hit area making heartbreaking decisions due to inadequate supplies, if your economic life has been destroyed and you and your family are at great risk and you don't see recovery for a long, long time, maybe not ever, in situations like these, I'm not sure I would want to be told that God is in control. If God is in control of these things, why doesn't God fix them? Thinking again about the subject of that essay, had I been told that my newborn daughter may not walk or eat on her own or breathe correctly and that there wasn't much to be done about it, I also would not wish to be told that God was controlling that. And that's where I found Heather Lanier's essay to be helpful. You see, she did not claim that God was in control, but she said something closely related and maybe more helpful she suggested that we learn to embrace our own uncertainty, our own lack of control. For her daughter and this pandemic, both of those situations are reminders that we have never really been in control. Looking back to the first year of her daughter's life, Heather Lanier writes this, she says, I would never wish to relive that year, and yet I would never give it back. 
This fragility, she says, this fragility unearthed an aching tenderness inside me deep in my heart under my previously held beliefs about what's important and what makes life worth living. And, she says, I learned that uncertainty was not unyielding. It was instead something I could fall into and be held by. I could surrender to it. Lanier has learned in her own life that when we embrace uncertainty, we are awestruck by our smallness and humbled by our inability to control anything. And some of us might feel only grief. But, she says, we are also poised for awakenings. We are also poised for awakenings. Lanier's writing was not explicitly theological, but it sure felt that way to me. The distinction here is that it might not always be helpful to talk about God being in control, but it might be helpful to acknowledge that we are not, and then to ask what God might be up to. The truth of our faith tradition is that when we surrender to our own need for control, when we are ready to fall into and be held by the one who will surround us with care, God is that one. God is that one waiting to hold and to catch us. As we think about the ways God might be in control, what God might be up to these days, there are words in scripture, in the Bible, that I believe say the right things. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Lord is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Some biblical words are more appropriate to some occasions than to others. One last thing about that. If in listening to this sermon today you heard something that you yourself might have said in a way that you now wonder if it was helpful or unhelpful, and if you were worried about that, give yourself some grace. Trying to figure out what God is up to and to name it correctly is really hard work. I am certain I make mistakes in every single sermon. We have to pray and do our best and continue learning and growing. This is a tender time in our world. Where we can, let us use our words and the wisdom of our tradition with humility and care. Peace to you this day. Amen.